Welcome to the ACO Show, a podcast about value-based healthcare and the people who make it happen. Accountable care organizations are set up as limited liability companies, or LLCs, and are run by a board of managers. At Allidade, this board is required to have a patient representative on the board to support the mission of the ACO to promote evidence-based and patient-centered care. With that, we bring you today's show where Joe Schonkweiler and Josh Israel speak with John Sickler, who is the patient representative of what is called the Freedom ACO, which is an Allidate Accountable Care Organization based in suburban Philadelphia with 7,300 Medicare ACO patients and roughly 30 primary care providers. So, John, thank you for joining us. And can you tell us, how did you come to be involved as a patient representative? Well, actually, I was... uh one of the uh, original members of PMA's CCM program. And so I had experience with that concept and all. And um, PMA had started uh, the critical care management uh, uh, program and and was into it before uh, having conversations with Allidade. And so um, being one of the original members, um, PMA had suggested that uh, I might uh, have some of the background and experience uh, that might satisfy the the proposed requirements for a seat uh, on the manager board. And John, this is Joe. Just, Just so our listeners are clear, PMA is the, the medical group uh, through which the ACO is affiliated. Is that correct? That is correct. And um, another, another acronym that you threw out there, because you're, you're obviously uh, well-versed in this, CCM. What, what, what does that mean to you, and what, what should our listeners know about that? Uh, it's critical care management, uh, and it, uh, it's a program wherein um, they try to take what for lack of a better term, uh, are those patients that are generally rated at a higher risk than some others and uh, and make sure that they have a proper level of care and communication. Excellent. So it sounds like from that, you had uh, not just the average patient's interaction with the providers at the medical group, you were having a more... um, frequent, intensive interaction with the team there. That's correct. Great. Uh, and I'm curious because I've, I've always been really interested in the folks that make up boards in general of all types, but particularly in ACOs. Uh, what was your professional background prior to this and how did that inform your place on the ACO board? Well, um, I, I was kind of fortunate in, in my business career I only worked for two companies. When I got out of uh, school, I joined Price Waterhouse and spent seven years there. And uh, after that time in attaining uh, a senior management position just below the rank of partner, I, I decided that I wanted to try something different. And I joined a public company by the name of Teleflex and uh, spent the next 35 years there. Uh, When I joined Teleflex, they were approximately $35 million in revenues, 
And when I retired in 07, they were $2 billion in revenues. Uh, the other more interesting aspect of that company is when I started there, all of their products were either aerospace or automotive-oriented. And when I uh, retired, uh, 90% of the products were medical. So I've had a, a, a reasonable exposure to the medical business. Uh, and, then, and lastly, I was usually working on strategy and acquisitions over that period of time, we did about 100 acquisitions, and I was the lead on 70 of them. So I got some nice medical experience there from a business perspective. And then, of course, I have my own experience as a patient. So really, you have what I would put out as, as the perfect uh, background for one of these boards. You know, you're not uh, certainly not naive to the workings of the medical system from a patient perspective. You know some of the business framework that exists around it, and you know what it means to be a fiduciary with the responsibilities that that entails, to have responsibility to shareholders or to clients and, and things like that. So um, that's great. I'm sure they were very happy uh, to have somebody with your experience on the, on the board there at, uh, at the Freedom ACL. Uh, absolutely, and I think uh, uh, I've been the patient with uh, an ultra, with uh, Phoenixville Medical Associates, uh, uh, the doctor group, for 40 years. So, uh, and from time to time, we would spend uh, five minutes in my uh, regular doctor visits, uh, exchanging business views on what was going on. In, in medicine. So uh, uh, we have a lot of mutual respect as well. So that adds to, I think, uh, uh, the comfort level. One thing I'm curious about, what, what made you really want to do this? Was this the kind of thing that um, you felt obliged to do because you, you know, believe in the mission of the, the practice and the process? Or um, like, talk to me through the decision process to actually join the board. Well, uh, first of all, I mentioned before that uh, I was retired, so uh, I had time on my hands. Uh, that, that's a good start. Uh, secondly, I'm, 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 I'm an active reader uh, in terms of companies and their business and uh I, I, I do that just to make sure I manage our, our personal affairs on a proper level. And then I found that, I, you know, at the end of the day, I'd be working with people I knew and respected. And uh, I, I always have uh, an inquiring mind to, to learn something new. So it all made sense to me and fit very nicely as to where I was at that point in time in my life. John, the intent of having a patient on the board seems like a, a really good intent, bringing in the perspective of the patient. You mentioned that you are a patient at Phoenixville, which is one of the practices within this ACO. How do you see your role, not as a patient in this case, but on the board? Well, I think that... Uh... One thing I like about the concept of having a patient representative is that uh, 
it's an opportunity for uh, the doctors on the board and the administrators uh, to at least hear one voice coming from uh, the patient side. Uh, I can tell you this, that um, as after every meeting that I attend, I reflect on how the meeting went and whether I'd made a good contribution or not. Did I participate too much or did I not uh, participate at all? Um, I take some comfort there in that um, uh, a few of the Allidade people have mentioned to me that uh, they wish I could be a candidate on a couple of their other ACOs. Mm -hmm. and, and I really appreciated that, uh, particularly also because I have the highest regard uh, for the Allidade organization because of the quality of all the people I've met from there, and it's outstanding. So uh, there's nothing like... Uh, uh, Excellent people, you know, help improve your your game. You uh, that, that's kind of you to say, certainly, and I'm sure you know. I, I appreciate that, as I'm sure the rest of the the Alabade Nation will. I'm curious, what specifically do you think is beneficial about accountable care organizations, um, and then Alabade's role within that that structure? Well, if I understood that correctly, I think that. Uh, what I see is a, a good, an, an excellent focus on positive trends that are taking place either through uh, uh, government instruction and uh, uh, and changes in laws, or uh, just by uh, new technology um, being introduced into the medical community. Uh, the fact that the that uh, they've combined some financial incentives with the program I've found to be unique uh, in this type of setting, and I think that uh, it's helped drive uh, support and uh, commitment to uh, the expectations. So um, there, it's, it's a very nice model as it was put together. John, are there any things about the ACO model that concern you? And, you know, I ask in particular because there have been concerns over the years with capitation and managed care. And have you found anything in the ACO that concerns you about not providing the best patient care or not putting the patient at the center of what matter? Well, I think uh, one of the dilemmas in the whole industry is data. And uh, when the government mandated 10 years ago that uh, everyone had to move towards uh, electronic health records uh, without, without setting some standards, uh, they got what they got after 10 years. Um, many providers... Uh, products off the shelf that existed at the time. Many others decided that they wanted to um, customize those, which is, is not unusual. 
The problem being, as I read from time to time about SEMA Verma down at CMS, that uh, n none of the systems talk to one another. So we've, we've crossed one street of uh, creating the records, but uh, having real value from them for the time being uh, is is a real challenge, and I know everyone's trying to get their arms around that. Mm -hmm. uh, now let me circle back on the data issue and say one of the things, one of the bad things is, and I, is that it's putting a lot of uh, frustration on 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 doctors. Uh, everything I read says that. They spend six hours out of an 11-hour day working on their electronic records, and most of it, of course, is done in the evening. And and so we're getting to a stage in the, in the country where we're burning out uh, the doctor's supply uh, as it exists today, and so there needs to be some solution there. Um, and then when I reflect now to drive it down to our Freedom ACO, what do I see coming down the pike? It's, it's adding more data. Uh, it, it seems like we talk about a new app every two months, be it uh, chronic kidney disease, be it alcohol, be it opioids. Or now today, Josh, it's, uh, you know, uh, helping uh, folks think about life expectancy and planning for it. So we're, we're piling on to a certain extent, and I think it's a concern I had that, that where's the solution. Now, I also tend to be an optimist, and I think... Uh, Making sense of all the data that's out there is going to be solved in the next five years as as artificial intelligence and 5G and a couple of other technologies uh, get their arms around some of this. But for the time being, I see that uh, it's a delicate balance. And, you know, the doctors are the drivers of... Uh, uh, the patient care. John, you referenced um, some of the positives that you saw in the, the ACL program, um, as well as some of the things that are challenging uh, with expanding something like this. Uh, I'm curious, given your extensive background in M&A and in the business world, um, how do you think about bringing the bedrock principles about what makes a good um, and by M&A, of course, I mean mergers and acquisitions. Um, what makes a good business? Like what makes this ACO uh, work as a business entity? Like how do you think about that in your role on the board as it relates to data and technology and all the moving pieces? Well, uh, I think that uh, I think there's been the start of some conversation with expansion and expansion uh, coming in the form of uh, potential acquisition. Um, it's, uh, it's 
should be uh, uh, a ripe period for um, ACOs to, to understand that there are many doctor practices or other ACOs um, that are in the in the same situation as we are, but maybe not as far along as we are. Uh, it, it's clear to me. Uh, I'm very pleased to to be blessed to be uh, involved with this group because uh, they've actually been hugely successful in tr- meeting uh, the requirements of CMS and, and at, at the same time making sure that uh, the driving motivation is, is improved care for the patient. So uh, I'm very proud of the group and what they've got accomplished both from good um, good good benefit for for the patient community as well as achieving some financial reward. John, you've been involved in some of the discussions around some of the specific ACO initiatives, things like home for the holidays or follow-ups from the emergency departments. I wonder if you have heard any initiatives that you especially liked, things that you think are are good ideas that the ACO came up with and should be doing more of? Well, the one that came to my mind first was uh, this whole concept of uh, call us first. Uh, Trying to uh, help the patient community understand that when they have an issue, the first place they should call is the physician's office instead of showing up at the E-R-E-D. So uh, for me, that was was, uh, very impressive. Uh, I don't have a a clear measure on how successful it's been, but I've seen the level of enthusiasm and the manner in which they've attacked it telling patients that during visits as well as having signage in the offices and what and other locations and so to me that that was uh that's that that's getting right to it uh in terms of cost avoidance so that's one that i i truly uh respected this past year John, is there something you wish that that ACO doctors and administrators thought more about or something that that they're not focusing on that you've seen? <laughs> well, now that's a, that's a good one. So if you don't mind, I'll I'll, I'll tell you a story. Please. Uh, t- 10 years ago, uh I had to get some lab work done and I, I've always used the local hospital for my lab work. And when I got there, um, the waiting room was quite full, and there was only one seat left. And uh, um, so I rushed over to make sure uh, I got to sit down. And I didn't appreciate it at that time. I was so focused on on that 
that the person I sat next to was one of my wife's old friends. Now, she was five to ten years older than me, but so we ended up having a very nice conversation. And near the end, I said, well, who's your doctor? And she told me, and turns out she was, uh, she uh, had a doctor from the Phoenixville Medical Associates Group. And I said, well, how do you, how do you like them? And she said, well, I used to like them a lot. And I said, what does that mean? What's changed? Well, now all he does is keep punching his keys on his computer. And so my learning lesson from that was it reminded me of what I saw going on in the last few years when I was a businessman, that I was trying to figure out why I could walk by the CEO's office and see him typing his own uh, letters and memos and 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 other device and other forms when his assistant was sitting out there uh, needing something to do. So I think that the di- the digital electronic record issue has, to a certain degree. Uh, had a somewhat negative effect on the effectiveness of the communication between the physician and the patient, um, depending on who's doing the recording and and entering of the data. So uh, that's one of the things that I think uh, they might reflect on a little bit in terms of uh, making sure that the patient uh, got their say. Well, I think that's a great a great point to make. And I know uh, as I get older and I find myself a patient more and more with my kids and my family, um, it gives me a new appreciation of the difference in being on one side of the physical exam or history and physical than being on the other. Uh, and the, the difference in perspective that provides. Um, well, John, this has been such a pleasure. Thank you for taking the time to chat with us and uh, for sharing your experience as part of the Freedom ACO board. Well, thank you. And as I said, uh, it's been a, a very positive, uh, rewarding experience for me. I've learned a great deal. Uh, and uh, as I said, as I drive home from each meeting, uh, I try to reflect on whether or not uh, I'm doing the work I'm supposed to be doing as the patient representative. We could all probably be doing a little bit more of that in all of our roles. Well, very good. Thank thank you for for speaking with me today, and I certainly enjoyed it.